Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. We all know that there's an achievement gap in the U.S., one that means that if you're born middle class, you're more likely to end up in college than if you're born poor. If you finish college, you're likely to replicate, in terms of wealth, the status of the family that launched you towards college in the first place. If you don't attend or you don't finish college, you too are likely to replicate the status of the family you grew up in. When we're creating education policy, when we're designing schools, the question we don't ask often enough is, when does this gap open up? By three years of age, you're already going to see that gap among lower-income and middle-income families. It's dramatic. It's dramatic. Kathy Hirsch-Pasek is a co-director of the Temple University Infant and Child Lab in Philadelphia, and she's an expert on child brain development. We found that lower-income five-year-olds look more like middle-income three-year-olds in their understanding of language. So this is all going on very, very quickly. And though an achievement gap at such a young age seems impossible, Hirsch-Pasek says it's not only real, it's something that everyone should care about, even if you've never had young kids. You can see it in language where some people have talked about the 30 million word gap, Hmm. which then relates to language and, as I said, literacy. You can see it in spatial skills, the ability to put something together with blocks, the ability to do puzzles, which relates to your later mathematics ability. Hmm. And you see it in their ability to have this fancy term called executive function skills. I love that term. And <laughs> Sounds that like they're two, their, uh, but yet they're CEOs also. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it has to do with like their attention and their memory and their planning and their flexibility and thinking. And we know that some of the skills that you groom in early childhood take you up to school readiness and then take you all the way through school and beyond. And if you're better in first grade, chances are you're going to be better in third grade. If you're better in third grade, chances are you're going to be better in fifth and eighth and twelfth. And more likely to graduate, more likely to get a job, and more likely to be successful. Hirsch Pasek is the co-author of Becoming Brilliant, What Science Tells Us About Raising Successful Children. And though little kids, so let's say one-year-olds who are teething and drooling and just trying to walk across the room without falling over, while they may not seem like they're learning a ton, they are. If I could learn at the rate that our kids learn, I would think it absolutely marvelous. Do you know that a 19-month-old kid is learning up to nine new words a day? Now, I want you to think about that. America has one of the worst preschool attendance rates among developed countries. And we may be ignoring the research about the power of the years from zero to five at our peril. In a 2017 study of more than 30 industrialized nations, only Turkey had fewer three-year-olds in preschool programs. Now, it's important to note that Americans spend a ton of money on child care for their own kids. But the government spends, on average, about half of what other industrialized countries spend on the years leading up to kindergarten. And that brings us back to that stubborn gap, which we do try to address in elementary school. But by that time, it might be too late. It turns out that you cannot be a good reader if you don't have good language skills. It's impossible Mm -hmm. because you can sound out the words, but if you don't know what the words are sounding into... Mm -hmm. 
then you're lost. Mm -hmm. I used to do that when I went to Hebrew school. I was really good at sounding things out, but I didn't know what the words meant when right. I finally translated right. it. Right. And, <laughs> right. And so good communication skills like language have to be built before you get to be a good reader. Hmm. And it turns out that if you don't have anyone to talk with, and notice I didn't say talk to, mm -hmm. so you don't have good collaboration, you're not going to get good communication. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have good communication, you'll never get good content and if you don't have good content, I agree with everybody that school is about content, then you can't move on to critical thinking, hmm. which is equally, if not more, important in today's world. And I think that if we don't prepare well in the first five years of life, our children aren't going to be ready for school. So if we want a strong society with a very well-prepared workforce, then we think need to think seriously about early childhood. Hmm. And that is what we need to put into place now, high quality early childhood programs. We've been thinking primarily about these programs from kids who are three to five. Mm -hmm. But I think the next horizon is also to think about kids who are babies hmm. up to age three. Um, you talked about the fact that, amazingly, there are already disparities uh, by age three that are opening up. Um, and we touched on the 30 million word gap, this research that shows that by age three, you've got lower income kids who are hearing roughly 30 million fewer words than higher income kids. What else, I wonder, apart from that 30 million uh, word gap that has been studied, do you think is driving some of these differences in achievement? Well, a lot of people suggest that this executive function stuff is very important. What do we mean by that? What we mean is building a foundation for attention, knowing that you should pay attention and that you can sustain that attention on something that's going on in the world around you. Flexibility. That means I can be doing one task, but if something else comes up, I can actually switch to something new. And you know, there are some kids who are great at that and some who are terrible. Mm -hmm. It also has to do with memory. I mean, we have to work on memory. You have to exercise your brain the same way you exercise your muscles. And when we allow our children to play games, whether it's in the car or on the way to school or in your home before bed, they can actually build better memory skills. I, I know some countries have universal preschool that starts when kids are four, some three. Uh, France is testing uh, school for two-year-olds. When we think about, like we were talking before about there's a gap between, you know, some kids who are maybe way ahead and some kids who are not. They haven't heard those same words. They haven't been exposed to the same kind of math, whatever. How young should we uh, start school? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny thing when you say start school. Um, that that sounds like, you know, school marm desks and yep, yep. somebody dispensing knowledge from the front. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when you talk about a good preschool, um, yes, it's got structure and it's got high-level content going on with people reading books and people playing puzzles and people playing with blocks, but it's not going to look like desks in a row. Mm -hmm. So think more of a kind of, you know, structured playtime 
which is the way we think it would best be done and and maybe even best be done as we move into the elementary school and I even use it in college. Hmm. Now, um, parents also may want to be in the game and what we're not talking about, let me underscore that in red, what we are not talking about is taking kids away from their parents. A lot of the programs can be home visiting programs. Hmm where you know parents have an opportunity to drop in or we drop in with where parents are at and in a new program that um, that I've initiated with Brookings we're doing what we call learning landscapes and in learning landscapes we're saying hey kids only spend 20 percent of their waking time in school even when they're there full time what could we be doing in the environment around the kids. Where do kids go? What do our supermarkets look like? In one study, we put prompts in supermarkets. <laughs> they didn't look school marmy at all. What did you do in supermarkets? We had signs. Okay. And the signs would be crazy signs like, I'm a cow. I have milk. What comes from milk? Now, you might not expect that this would make a difference. But it turned out that it did make a difference. We got a 33% increase in parent-child interaction Uh when the signs were up. Right. As opposed to when the signs were down. Right, right, right. All of a sudden you start talking about where does yogurt come from and where does cottage cheese come from and everything. Yeah. And what's that weird purple vegetable? And it turned out to make an (laughs) impact in the low-income neighborhoods but not the middle-income neighborhoods. And in Hmm. Tulsa where they actually put in more what we call STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics signs. Gosh, people started talking about number and they started talking about math. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, emboldened by that idea, um, I actually thought, well, why couldn't we build a bus stop that had a bench that had puzzles on the back? I mean, people sit and wait at the bus stops. And we did that at 40th and Lancaster on a very lot where Martin Luther King gave one of his speeches for the Freedom March, we put in puzzles. Hmm. And we put in a way to build language. We called it stories. And we built an executive function hopscotch where you had to think before you jump (laughs) so you don't do things that are impulsive. And people are now not just looking at their cell phones. They're playing at the bus stop. So I think we have to think beyond schools to um, to think about our environments and how, while we're also thinking about city revitalization, we can put learning landscapes into those cities. In Seattle, just one more example, they're going to do safe sidewalks to school. And we're going to implant in the sidewalks games that can foster learning. Wow. We can do this. Is there a city or a country um, where mm-hmm. you look at what they offer for early childhood and you think this is really, really effective in terms of both what they do for the kids, but then also this kind of long term, like boosting the competitiveness of the country and, you mm-hmm. know, in ultimately uh, creating a workforce that's ready and that's flexible and that's educated and all of that? You know, there are two countries that come to mind. Um, one is Finland, which everybody uses. They have, yeah. you know, such a wonderful way of treating parents with good family leave and early childhood programs that work and that are aligned with the school programs. And they were very conscious in designing the Finnish school system so that 
they not only uh, aligned as you started school, but that parents were involved and that it connected at the other end with this cradle to career idea. The second country is Canada. Canada is doing an amazing job. And they started um, more recently a more aligned system between their kindergarten and preschool uh, period and their formal education in elementary school period. And they're doing a great job. Now, you might ask, when the kids get to be 15, how do these countries score on the PISA tests that everybody is consumed by? And the answer is one and five. Okay, so pretty well is the answer. <laughs> that's that's the answer. Yeah. If you do well by your kids, you do well by a society. And if you recognize that we cannot train our children for today, we need to train them to be excellent tomorrow and to have choices tomorrow and to be flexible tomorrow so they can relearn when a computer does better than they do at their very job that they were trained for. Mm -hmm. We need lifelong learners. Kathy Hirsch-Pasek is a co-director of the Temple University Infant and Child Lab. She's also a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and a co-author of Becoming Brilliant, What Science Tells Us About Raising Successful Children. Kathy, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. City of stars, are you shining just for me? If you're wondering why we're playing the song City of Stars from the movie La La Land, it's because the lyrics were co-written by Kathy Hirschpasek's son, Benj. The song, by the way, won him an Oscar. Here is what Benj said during his acceptance speech. I want to thank my mom, who is amazing in my day tonight, and she let me uh, quit the JCC Soccer League to be in a school musical. So this is dedicated to all the kids who sing in the rain and all of the moms who let them. Thank you very much. I love you, Mom. On our website, we've got more about Kathy Hirschpasek's work on early childhood education and a clip of her in the audience at the Oscars watching that speech. And through the smokescreen of the crowded restaurants, it's love. Yes, all we're looking for is love.